0: Rachel called me nice, so you can borrow some chairs, yes. (laughs) Uh, It is wonderful to be here, and uh, some of you might not have met me before, These faces are unfamiliar. As Rachel said, uh, pastor of Encounter Church, work alongside Rachel. I spend most of my time over our location at uh, Sally Oak, but it's wonderful when we get times to do things together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Over this last term, we've had 10 days of prayer together. We've had a comedy night. Uh, in the spring, we had um, a well-being series, looking at the different God's perspective on well-being. And uh, we had a joint connect group here on Wednesday mornings. Um, on New Year's Day, we're having a joint service. Uh, that's at Sally Oak because it's slightly bigger and therefore we can get more, more people in. But we love it when we get together uh, as one church, even though we are in two locations. So if you can join us on New Year's Day. Uh, it's 11 o'clock, so it's a slightly later service.
1: Gives you a chance to let the
0: new year in, and um, have a lie in, and sober up. So, um, no I'm joking. But you'll be you'll be very welcome. So that's eleven o'clock on New Year's Day. So we've been looking at particular series over the two locations, uh, more so at Celio. You can pick up uh, them online. We've had about five weeks of this, looking at one Peter. So uh, at our Connect Group on. Um, Thursday, we were talking about, or asked the question, when did we last write a letter to somebody? Not an email or a text, but actually wrote a letter. Do you know what I mean? (laughs)
1: Yeah. A letter.
0: And I can remember last time I wrote a letter, partly because my handwriting is so illegible that texts are better for people. Uh, now, I am right-handed, but I've worked out that I must be left-handed, because my writing is so kind of, yeah. So I don't write a lot of letters, but Wendy still writes letters. So um, she was mentioned on Thursday, I thought it was really nice, so the last time she wrote a letter, one of the times was to the lady who led her to the Lord when she was 10 or 11, uh, Joni Walker. Uh, that was many years ago, I won't tell you how many. And uh, Joanie um, was quite disabled. She couldn't walk properly. She had these two sticks. and But she used to help out at the uh, uh, holiday club every summer with Scripture Union. And uh, Wendy wrote because she wanted to encourage her. Because all those decades ago, many years ago, she led Wendy to the Lord. And the wonderful thing is, or well, the sad thing is, in some respects, that the letter got to Joanie and she read it very soon before she passed away. So the timing. And, you know, it's always good, isn't it, to encourage each other and to send Mm. messages of encouragement, whether it's, you know. So 1 Peter is a letter of encouragement to uh, particular churches. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, the first two verses, and there's a slide that should come up on the screen, to just see where he's sending these, this letter to. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadonia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood Grace and peace be yours in abundance. So these are real people, real time, real location, real challenges. And if you see just down to the bottom right, you see where Jerusalem is, where Judea is. But this letter is not sent to the Christians in Jerusalem. Um, It was sent about 800 miles away. If you go around the Mediterranean Sea to Phagia and Ephesus and Bithynia, about 800 miles away. Uh, I don't know how this letter got to them. We're trying to work that out in our connect group. Um, But Peter writes this letter of encouragement to believers and to churches, who probably would have preferred to be in Jerusalem because that's where the, the real spiritual hub was. That's where Pentecost happened. But because of persecution, these Christians were scattered hundreds and hundreds of miles away and set up these churches and Peter writes this letter of encouragement to them. And he talks to them about being the scattered church. At times they're the gathered church, but they were scattered far and wide. And there's no doubt that this is something that God wanted to happen. Not that they were persecuted, but he wanted them to be scattered. He didn't want them all in Jerusalem, because one of the last things Jesus said, didn't he? He says, go into the whole world and the different places in which they should go. But even though that they were scattered, even though they were in a position where they didn't want them to be, Peter writes this letter of encouragement, and he says in verse one, y- "You're chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father." So even though that you're scattered, not where you want to be, you're chosen by God. Now you might be in a strange see Birmingham as a strange place to be in, not some place that you've chosen. Sometimes on Monday mornings we're in places where we don't choose. So we're still, you know, this still speaks to us that we're in different places, different streets, different jobs, different families. We're still the scattered church. And, and Peter is saying, God promises to still make his home with you wherever you are. And he says, this is a place also where you will be blessed. It's not just, people are not just being blessed in Jerusalem. Wherever you are, you will be blessed. That's God's promise to you. Now, I don't know if you've recognized, uh, if you've been a Christian for any length of time that the Christian life can be a little bit like a a rail track two kind of lines that even when things are going that you happening that you don't necessarily choose you can still see the incredible blessing of God running alongside and within it and Dave Smith in his book 40 Days of Jesus which we are going to look at in the the new year he says this I think this is a great quote he says is it possible that your desire to see God acting in a particular way has blinded you to the possibility that God might be acting in some other way. And here was God acting in some other way. They probably thought that they were just going to be in Jerusalem, but this was God acting in some other way and spreading out his church. And I read this wonderful quote from Martin Luther King Jr. this week. He says, we must accept finite, finite disappointment, but we must never lose infinite hope. Because God is bigger than it all. Any disappointment is finite, but the hope that we have in Christ is infinite. And here's Peter saying this is a place where God will make his home with you. This is a place he'll bless you. This is a place where you'll still grow. So if your goal in the Christian life is to grow, wherever you are is a place where we can grow. And that is what Peter is saying. And uh, he says, uh, towards the end of his letter, he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the trials that you're suffering. Now we don't like trials. as though something strange is happening, because this is a place where you can still grow. And uh, Neil Hudson, in one of his books, he says this, we've not become Christians to escape the complexities of the world, nor has Jesus promised to turbo boost us through difficult moments of life. And that's the reality of it. And Peter's saying, you might not choose to have chosen to have been there, but God actually knows what he's doing. And it is a place where you will feel at home in Christ, you will be blessed, you will grow. And he goes on to say, it's a place where you will make a difference. You will make a difference. And uh, in, in chapter 1, verse 12, Peter says this, when the prophets, talking about the prophets in the Old Testament, he says, when they spoke about the gospel to come, Uh, centuries before he said it was revealed to them this gospel that Jesus would come but it wasn't serving themselves it was serving you the prophets were serving those who would be around when Jesus came and that's the wonderful thing about the gospel isn't it is that God puts us in places that don't just serve us but actually would serve the people around us as well that's why we're really um, you know, excited at uh, uh, having warm spaces here. We think that's a great thing. We believe that's going to bless many people over these next few months. Uh, it's fantastic to be involved in safe families for children and uh, people in counter-church or serving many people. It's a good Christmas is also a good opportunity, isn't it, to invite people to come and find out something about the gospel. So please take that uh, opportunity. Dallas Willard said this. Um, if you've not read any of these books, they're fantastic. It can be a little bit deep, but they're really good. And he says this, that the church is for discipleship and discipleship is for the world. Our discipleship has to affect those around us. And he goes on to say, the effectiveness of a church's mission largely depends on its ability to mobilize its people in doing God's work in the world. That's one of the signs of a good... Church. So Peter is saying, he's writing this letter, you might be not where, where you want to be, but all these things, God's purposes can still take place. So he sends this encouragement in the first 12 verses, and then, and then in verse 13, he says, therefore, therefore. So what that means is, I'm getting to the crux of what I want to really say to you now, therefore. And let's read verses 13 to 16. So he says, Therefore, with your minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So, obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as you who are called to call you is holy, so be holy in all, in all that you do, for it is written, be holy, because I am holy. So Peter's saying, all is not lost, God will bless you, you will grow, you will make a difference, God is with you, therefore live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Now the picture of therefore, the interpretation they say, is like of of a garment that's really kind of flabby and you're kind of gathering it, you're gathering it all in. So you're alert, you're in position in order to make a difference. You're kind of streamlined. Now, we have um, some family who live in India we love very much nieces and nephews and um, because I'm a pastor, they tend to ask me to go and conduct their weddings wherever they are in the world, wherever they're going to have these in the world and it's really good. And my nephew decided... Well, his kind of fiance decided that they were going to get married in Africa, in Zimbabwe, in Victoria Falls. And they wanted me to go and do the wedding. Now, all the blokes in the family that were going to go, they said, don't worry, we will sort out your outfit. You don't need to do it. Now, the good thing about an Indian webinar, the bad thing about you, you need many different outfits because there's lots of different events. It's not just one event like there is in the UK. You need different outfits. And one of them, they asked me to send my measurements for a waistcoat and a shirt. And I thought, what about the trousers? Do you not need my inside leg measurement and my waist measurement? And you didn't. So I got there and they handed over the Bundy, which was the waistcoat and the shirt, which was absolutely fine. And then at the meal before the wedding, I realised why they didn't need my measurements. Because somebody handed me the trousers. You don't need measurements for those trousers. They will fit. They will fit, most people. Now, when Peter is talking, he's talking about gathering in and tightening, like putting a a belt on and being ready for action. And he goes on to explain what he's talking about, because he's talking about um, the Word of God. And the Bible doesn't talk about the belt of truth. And he says in verse 24, says, all men are like grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God stands forever. The word of God is what gathers everything in. and And he's saying that you need to live the life of God, not be squeezed by the life of the world. But You need the belt of truth, you need the word of God every day, you need to be alert, you need to be on the ball if you're going to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And he wanted to encourage them, even though they are in a location they hadn't preferred, that God was still going to use them and they needed to be on the ball. They needed to be alert every day in order to live that life that God had got for them. So he's saying prepare yourself For action. Don't let it all just hang out. And Peter goes on for the rest of Peter. I'm not going to preach on the rest of Peter. But just so you know the overview, he goes then to talk about how our faith is reflected and where our faith is reflected. And he starts to talk about different relationships that we have. And he's making the point that it's in these different relationships that our faith is is reflected. And the world looks on and to see how genuine and real our faith is because of how we respond to these different (coughs) relationships. So he talks about uh, slaves and masters, basically he's talking about bosses and employees and how we relate to each other. He talks about uh, government and and citizenship, being good citizens, he talks about that. He talks about uh, wives and husbands as well, and he talks about uh, elders and, and young people and how we relate to each other. So saying that's how your faith is going to be reflected within the world in which we live. But the first example that he, he gives, the first relationship is he uses as an example to reflect our faith, is our relationship with the body of Christ. That's the first one he touches on. So in verse 22 he says, that, he says Now that you've been purified, if you've purified yourself by obeying the truth, love one another deeply from the heart. And that's the first relationship that should truly reflect our faith is our relationship with the body of Christ. And uh, I'm a believer that all of us should have a spiritual home and we should make our home there so that we, without commitment, it's hard to reflect. It's hard to reflect that, that deep love. And as uh, Graham Craig, the theologian, says this he says, they, as believers, were to love one another and live in unity so that the unbelieving world might know the reality and genuineness of Christ. So, as a challenging thought, that our unity and our commitments, loving each other deeply, doesn't only reflect our faith, but it says to the world that Jesus is real that Jesus is alive. It reflects it so powerfully, so important, because it's not so much about our faith, it's about people knowing that Jesus is real, that Jesus is alive. And that's what Peter is saying here. So there needs to be great connection. And in the Psalms it says, doesn't it, it's wonderful, that that is the place that God commands his blessing. When we, we love each other deeply, that's where God commands his blessing. And I'd encourage you, if you feel dry spiritually, get where God commands his blessing. Within the body of Christ, being united with other believers, love each other deeply, have that level of commitment, because that's where God commands his blessing. He promises that. And that's why it was really good as the two locations to have 10 days of prayer together. And it was great over those 10 days, and um, I went to many of them. But God commands his blessing in and through those settings. It's really encouraging. So Peter says, you know, therefore, be united to the body of Christ. And then he goes on to say, therefore, again. He says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander of every kind... That you may grow up in your salvation. So, saying one of the key things then of being united in love, another deeply is what you say about each other. That is very important, and he, he spells it, it out. Now, whether Peter is reflecting back to Pentecost, <laughs> where he was fully aware that, you know, what we say, what we do with our mouths. It's really important. I mean, he preaches, doesn't he? 3,000 people become Christians, so actually proclaiming the gospel, you know, with his mouth. He's possibly aware, wasn't he, that on the day of Pentecost in the upper room, 120 people, they've uh, taken over somebody's house, they've been praying, the Holy Spirit comes. What's the first thing they do? They, they praise the Lord, don't they, mm-hmm. in tongues. Now, and, and, and very quickly then, Peter gets up and starts to talk about one of the gifts that was being poured out which was the gift of prophecy, and uh, as prophesied by Joel. But it's interesting because Paul also, doesn't he, He says, come on, let's pick up on the greater gifts, the gift of prophecy. Why did he say pick on prophecy? Because it builds people up. Because it's very positive, it's very inspiring. And, and Paul says, doesn't he, follow the way of love and eagerly desire it, it is exciting using the gifts of the Spirit, but because it builds people up with our words. And maybe Peter has got this in mind because because when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he transformed what he said. He transformed what he did He went talking about people and talking about Jesus and praising God. And it's James, isn't it? As we remember, um, he talks about the tongue a lot and what we say. And uh, one of the things that... James says that I think it's incredibly challenging. He says, doesn't he, praise and cursing shouldn't come out of the same the same exit. Shouldn't, you know, that's a challenging thought, isn't he? And James doesn't, he He says, the tongue is also a fire, a world of evil. can be among many parts. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. And... Um, Peter says, be holy because I am holy. And he says, therefore, rid yourself of all malice and deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander of every every kind so that you may grow up in your salvation. So to grow, Peter is saying, to reflect our faith will very much be determined of what we say about other believers. And he's saying that that is the the starting point for us. Now, I don't know about you, I wasn't bothered to go to to church. So for some people, when they say to become a Christian, it was kind of a gradual thing, a gradual realisation. I became a Christian at the age of 15 or 16. And one of the things I do remember is that I stopped swearing and lying overnight. It was harder during the day, I have to admit, but overnight. <laughs> um, very little, very little swearing in line overnight. So, um, Now, that's one thing that seemed to change very quickly for me. Other things I found a little harder. It's a good thing we are work in progress, isn't it? So if God does something, I mean, that's changed, but some things you need to work on over a period of time. For example... Philippians 2 says this. Do everything without complaining. Well, there you go.
1: There
0: you go. Anybody here do everything without complaining? I mean, that's quite a challenging verse, isn't it? And, you know, even the Apostle Paul found certain things challenging. Because in Romans chapter 5, he says, doesn't he? He says... I do what I don't want to do. And I don't do what I should do. I know what I should do, but I don't do it. And even though I tend to do it, I find that sin is right there with me. And it's very difficult. And then he goes on to say, who shall rescue me from this? And then he says, thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Remembering a story about a a young lady who'd bought this uh, brand new open-top BMW, yellow. And um, she was driving, got it from the garage, and she drove down the hill near to her home, stopped at the traffic lights, and a gentleman comes and crashes right into the back of her. Mm -hmm. Now, she's very patient. Women drivers are more patient, aren't they? I think so. So she gets it fixed, takes six months. She goes from her garage and she gets this brand new version of her car. BMW, open top, yellow, drives down the hill to her home, stops at these traffic lights on, red again, just my luck. Lo and behold, the same gentleman drives <laughs> the same way, banging into the back of her. She doesn't feel so patient. So she gets up out of the car, he winds his window down looking very sheepish and she says, Sir, how do you manage to stop when I'm not here? (laughs) (laughs) It's not a true story by the way. (laughs) Some things we really do need the strength of God, don't we? And the grace of God upon us. Because some things are difficult thanks be to God who gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ but let me say this God is so committed to our growth that he doesn't always let us off the hook he wants us to progress he wants us to mature he wants us to keep going forward even in this area do everything without complaining he wants us to grow I remember once in the final illustration of uh, my previous work in the northeast of England. One of the things we used to put on was concert events for young people particularly. I remember once being so excited because we got what we thought was one of the best Christian musicians in the country, and he was. And I thought, oh, we're gonna sell that, sell out very quickly. And we sold out very quickly, five or 600 tickets. And I thought, it's gonna be great. All these people there, many that don't know Christians, many brought friends, and I thought, this is gonna be great. But when he came, he sang really well, but what he said wasn't as good as what I thought that it would be, or normally was. Now, a little while later, I found out he was kind of questioning his faith a little bit. But I have to say, on the night, I was a little bit disappointed, not with the music, that was fantastic, but just some of the things that he'd said. Then for the next two years, I remember whenever his name came up, or I mentioned his name, people would say, oh, in, he's such a great musician and great Christian. And I was always jumping and say, yeah, but you know, we had him. Sang well. All these guests. Didn't say the things that we'd like him to say. We were a little bit disappointed. Just wanted people to know. Wasn't as good as we thought. And I think probably about 15 to 20 times I did that when his name came up. And I remember on one occasion, it was as if the Holy Spirit was saying to me quite clearly, one of those times when I think, God is really speaking to me here, his name came up. And as if God was saying, well, God definitely was saying to me, Phil, I don't want you to keep saying that. <laughs> I don't want you to keep saying that. <laughs> Change the script. And there are times I think when God would like us to change the script sometimes, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: certain things come up, certain people come up, certain thoughts come up. And I'm sure that there's times when the Holy Spirit just wants to impress on us, I'd like you to stop doing that now. I'd like you to stop saying that now. You see, the good thing about being a Christian, God is not out to get us, he's out to rescue us. That's the wonderful thing, isn't it? It's for our good. It's for everybody's good that God does this. So in, two Philippi- in Philippians 2, it says this, finish with this verse. It says, do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe. And that's the good thing about this, isn't it? He talks about we live in a crooked and depraved world where everybody complains. Everybody complains. And he's saying that And and if you don't complain all the time, you will shine like stars in the universe. I mean, lights shine in the darkness, don't they? That's where they shine. When it's difficult to say good things, that is where we shine. If somebody's upset us and we say encouraging things, that is where we shine. And that's the wonderful thing, isn't it? Let's pray together.